Shalom to all. Today's daf is Shabbos Chav Test. We're starting three lines from the top. The second to last word on the line is Rava Amar. Rava Adabarava had just provided us with an explanation of the machlekes between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Kiva in our Mishnah. Why one may light or not light with a wick that was made out of a baguette. Rava Adabarava had told us we're discussing a wick that was precisely three by three finger breaths wide, and he was lighting this on Erev Shabbos, which happened to be on Tif. Rava gives us a different explanation. Rava Amar Rava says, Hi, time is Rabbi Lezer. This Rabbi Lezer is reasoning why may one not light with this wick. You're not allowed to light with a wick that is not singed. Now with rags that aren't singed because they don't light well and therefore one may fiddle with it on Shabbos. Ask the Gemara, El Hadutan Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef had brought a b'raisa and taught us, Gimel Gimel Metzum Tzamais, that three by three finger breaths precisely was the, seemingly the discussion of our Mishnah. So what's that Brisa telling us, according to Rav's opinion? Lamai Hilchasa, what's that halacha for? Le'inyan Toma. It's regarding Toma. Ditnan, we have a Mishnah. Gimel, Gimel, Shamu, three by three that we had said, that is Mechabal Toma, is Chutz Amalal. It's except for the Hem. Diver Reb Shemin. no, Gimel, Gimel, Mechuvanis, it could be precisely three by three. The reason why something is three by three finger breaths wide is going to be Mechabal Toma is because poor people would use such a piece of cloth for a patch on their clothing. However, before they put it on as a patch, the tailors would sew a hem around it so it doesn't become unraveled. Reb Shimon's opinion is that the three by three that we had said, it's besides for the hem because you can't really use it without the hem. However, the Chachamim, and we go like them, say, no, it can be precisely three by three even without the hem. Continues the Gemara. Amrav Yehuda Amarav. Masikin B'Kalim Ve'en Masikin B'Shiver Kalim. We had said we can light a fire, we can fuel a fire with a full vessel on Yontef, but not with a broken one because of Noyla Divir Rabbi Yehuda. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rabbi Shimon Matar, Rabbi Shimon allows it. Masikin B'Tamarim, we may fuel a fire with dates on Yontef. Achlan, but if you ate the dates in Masikin name, you are not allowed to fuel the fire with the pits of the date. David Rabbi Huda, that's Rabbi Huda's opinion. Rabbi Shimon Mata, Rabbi Shimon allows it. Masikin Be'ed Geizim, you can fuel fire with nuts. Achlan, if you ate the nuts, any Masikin Be'klip Ha'isem, you may not fuel it with the shell of the nuts. David Rabbi Huda, that's Rabbi Huda's opinion. Rabbi Shimon Mata, and Rabbi Shimon allows this. And the Gemara says, Ritzricha, we need all three cases, broken utensils, the dates in their pits, and the nuts in their shells. The Ashmin Kamais, if I only taught you the first case regarding the broken utensils, Be'ahi Kamar Rabbi Huda, maybe over there Rabbi Huda doesn't allow you to use the broken utensil on Yantef Mishum to make Karakli. Originally, when Yantef came in, it was a vessel, Vahashta Shevakli, and now it's broken, Vavle Nailad, and it's considered Nailad Vaasr, and it's Asr, it's a form of Mukta. I never had intention to use it like this on Yantef. Avotmar, but dates, the Mekar Garinin, originally the pit was inside the date, Vahashta Garinin, and now it's a, still a, a pit. So perhaps I should be able to use it. Aim a shop, your dummy. Maybe it would be okay. Therefore, I have to tell you, even then, it's considered noilid. Vyash meaning garinin. And if he only told us the case of garinin of date pits, havamina, I would think to make karma. Chasin, originally, this pit was covered over by the date. Vash the megalion, and now it's revealed. And therefore, it's some form of noilid. Avoklipe agaizim. But nutshells, they make car miglu, they're always revealed on the outside. And they're still revealed even now that I ate the nut. I might say that it's okay to use it as fuel for the fire. That's why I even need a chedesh in that case to teach me that I'm not allowed to use it on Yantav because it's nylon. Says the Gemara, This halacha that Rav had told us, Regarding the date pits, wasn't said explicitly. It was only learned from an inference. Derav achal tamri. Rav was eating dates during the week. Veshade kashiasa, and he threw their pits lebuchia into the oven for fuel. Amalei rebchia, rebchia told him, Bar pachsi ben gedolim, you're a great man. Connect the beyantif aser. If you were to do this on yantif, it would be aser. And seemingly he accepted rebchia's ruling. But now the gemara questions this and says, Hold on, kiblimine or like kiblimine? Did he accept the ruling of rebchia or not? Tashma, let's see. The chiasa rav lebavel and rav came to bavel. 
Tamri, he was eating dates on Yontif. And he was throwing their pits to the animals. My love, are we not referring to Biparsiyasa? That he was eating Persian dates, Veloy Kibla? And obviously he didn't accept the halach of Rabbi Chia because Persian dates, when they're fully ripened, the pit comes completely out of the fruit. No fruit is left attached to the pit. Therefore, you can technically consider this pit nailed and it shouldn't be allowed to be moved or thrown to animals. And from the fact that he did so, it must be that he did not agree to Rebchia's din, that they're mukta. And the Gemara says, He was eating Aramean dates, that some of the fruit does stay attached to the pit. Since they're fitting to be moved, regarding the pits that is, because of their mother, meaning because of the fruit that's still attached to them, so that's why he was moving them and giving them to the animals. So we see that he does agree to Rabbi Chia's opinion. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you may only light with a full utensil and not with a broken utensil. Once you lit this full vessel a little bit, now it becomes a broken vessel. And now when you turn over the fuel in the fire, to stoke it around, you're doing so because now it's something that's usr. So we say, you know, the Avid Krav Masna, just do like Rav Masna suggested. Rav Masna, Amarav, Eitzim Shanashim and Adekel, wood that fell off of a palm tree, Latan, or into an oven, Beyantif, this happened on Yantif. Mar Beitzim Muchanim Umasik, and you can simply add wood that you had previously prepared before Yantif, and now you can light it on fire, because now you have a mixture of prepared and not prepared wood, and then it's okay to turn it over. Now the Gemara brings a different answer to our machlekes between Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Kiva and our Mishnah from Rav Hamnuna. Rav Hamnuna, Amar Rav Hamnuna says, Hacha over here, the subject of the machlekes is regarding a cloth that's less than three by three tefachim, umikuli matlonius shanukan. And we're discussing the designation of a cloth for insignificant use. The word mikule over here does not mean lenient, it means insignificant use. We know that a cloth that's more than three by three tefachim is automatically considered like something chashiv, like something significant. And even if its owner designates it for something insignificant, it still retains its status as a cloth. However, something that's less than three by three tefachim is subject to the owner, what the owner decides to use it for. If he uses it for something significant, then it could be makabal toma. Or if he uses it for something insignificant, then it will not be makabal toma. We're discussing over here, he used it for something insignificant, and then he stored it away, seemingly trying to bring back its use of something significant, therefore bring back its ability to be Makabal Toma. And the subject of the Machlekes between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Kivin Mishnah is what action does this person have to do with this cloth in order to bring back its status of Kabbalah's Toma after he used it for an insignificant act. Says the Gemara of Azra Belezer Latamei, Rabbi Lezer goes according to his own reasoning, Rabbi Kiva Latamei, and Rabbi Kiva according to his own reasoning, and we'll have a clarity from the following Mishnah. Did not we have a Mishnah? Pachas Mishlesh al Shlesha, we have a cloth that's less than three by three Tfachim, Shiskinu Lepkak Bayasamerchats, that he's designated it to plug bathhouse pipes with, Ulanar Bayasagdera, or to pour out a very hot pot with to protect his hands from getting burned, Ulkanech Bayasarechaim, or to wipe down a millstone with it. These are all insignificant acts. When he now stored it away after using it for one of these things, he stored it away in a muhan type of way or a non-muhan type of way. And we're going to see what this means in a second. Tame, it now reverts back to its original status of an important garment, and it could be makabal toma, divir rebelezer, that's rebelezer's opinion. Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Shua says, irregardless of the, if the way he stored 
it away after using it for this thing is considered muchan or not, tohar, it is tohar, meaning it cannot be makabel tama. Rabbi Kiva, I mean, Rabbi Kiva is a midline opinion. Min muchan, if he stored it away in a muchan type of way, tame, it could be makabel tama. Shalom in a muchan, if he stored away in a non muchan type of way, tohar, so then it cannot be makabel tama. Va'amar Ula, and Ula explains, Vitemarav barchana, Amar Biachanan, Hakalmaidim, all these three Tanaim agree, Zarkuba Ashba, if they threw it away in a garbage dump, Divakal tohar, that it would not be makabel tama anymore, because clearly he's showing that it's insignificant and he doesn't care for this cloth anymore. On the top, if you placed it in a box, everyone agrees that it would revert back to its original status of being something chashiv and could be makabel tama. is only is if you hung it on a peg, or you placed it behind the door. Rabbi Lazar Savar, Rabbi Lazar holds from the fact that you didn't throw it in the garbage, your mind is on it and therefore you want to use it, and it reverts back to its original status. The Gemara asks, okay, so my karle shalem in a muchan. Why did he say whether you did something that made it muchan or not muchan? What's not muchan over here? He just said that anything you do with it, meaning either a peg or behind the door, is considered muchan. So you say no. The lagabe kufsolav muchanu. Placing it on a peg or behind the door in comparison to placing it in a box is considered loy muchan. But either of these actions makes it considered muchan and therefore it reverts back to its original stage. Rabbi Yeshua Savar, Rabbi Yeshua holds midloy from the fact you didn't place it in a box, betule batle. So you've nullified its status as a baguette, asks the Gemaru, my karle muchan. So why did he say, even if you make it muchan, it loses its status as a baguette? We say delagabe ashba, because in regards to throwing it out in the garbage, muchan hu, placing it on a peg or behind the door is considered muchan. But then again, nonetheless, Rabbi Shua still holds that that's not considered enough and it's not makabal tama. Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Kiva was the midline shita. But if you hang it on a peg, Savar Rabbi Lezer holds like Rabbi Lezer, that's considered muchan and it will be makabal tama. If you place it behind the door, Savar like Rabbi Shua, he holds like Rabbi Shua that it's not considered muchan and therefore it would not be makabal tama. The machlaikas in this Mishnah between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Kiva reflects to our Mishnah the Gemara just adds in for one mo- bit of ex- extra explanation. Rabbi Kiva actually retracted his opinion from this Mishnah where he was the midline shita and actually agrees to the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Mimai, how do we know this? Amarava, Rava says, from the fact that our Mishnah says, Psilas Habeged. My area of the Tani Psilas Habeged. Why does it use this language of a uh, wick of a garment? Listen, Psilas Shel Beged. We should have said a wick that came from a garment. Not a wick of a garment. My psilos habeged. Why does it say a wick of a garment? We say that dain beged. Who the inference is is that this thing is still considered a beged, and nonetheless, Rabbi Kiva holds that even though it's still considered a beged, since you used it for something insignificant, it lost it permanently lost its status as beged, and even though now you made it into a wick, it's still considered non beged, and it's not able to be makabel toma. Whereas Rabbi Elazar disagrees with him and says, no, even though you used it for something ins- insignificant, now that you made it into a wick, you're showing that you want this baguette and therefore it is able to be makabal toma. Now, short introduction before the next Mishnah. We know that extinguishing a fire is an av malacha, one of the 39 malachas. The Gemara in Beitza tells us that taking a little bit of oil out of a burning lamp is also considered like mechaba, like extinguishing a fire in part. We also know that their lamps back in the day was just simply a receptacle with a wick burning on one end and a little hole in the other end to place the oil in. Sometimes they needed more oil inside their lamp so they rig up some sort of contraption in order to provide a continuous flow of oil into their lamp. And that's what our mission is talking about.
Says our Mishnah, a person should not perforate an eggshell, fill it up with oil, and place it at the mouth of the lamp, so that it should drip a constant flow of oil into the lamp. Even if this reservoir is made out of cheres, it's not permissible. Why is this? We're afraid that this person is going to need some of the oil. He's going to take some oil out of the reservoir on Shabbos, and that's an iser of mechab, of, of extinguishing, because once he's designated this oil for his lamp, so he's not allowed to take any of it away. Even if it's made out of cheres, out of pottery, and cheres is most, it's disgusting, and perhaps we shouldn't be afraid he's going to take it out of there on Shabbos. Nonetheless, we're still afraid. Rabbi Huda Mata, Rabbi Huda allows this. However, if the potter who had made this lamp originally connected this extra reservoir to the lamp, mutter, then it's permissible, because now it's considered one vessel, and we're not afraid he's going to take out some oil from the extra reservoir, because he recognizes that it's part of the lamp. A person is now allowed to fill up a bowl full of oil and place it next to his lamp and place the end of the wick inside the second bowl of oil so that it should draw oil from the first bowl into his lamp, again providing with extra oil. Rabbi Huda Mater, Rabbi Huda allows this. Says the Gemara, we need all the cases in the Mishnah. If we only told you the eggshell case, perhaps there the Rabbanan do not allow it to keep the Lame Isa, since an eggshell itself is not ma'us, it's not gross, perhaps a person might take some oil out of the eggshell, but if it's this reservoir was made out of pottery, the Me'isa, it becomes gross from the oil and from the lamp, maybe they would agree to Rabbi Huda, the one may light with such a reservoir on Shabbos, because we're not afraid he's going to approach it to take some oil out, and if I only told you the case of Cheres, perhaps over there Rabbi Huda allows it, because it's most, but in the case of the eggshell, perhaps Rabbi Huda would agree the Rabbanan that you're not allowed to do so with an eggshell. If I told you only the first two scenarios with an eggshell and pottery over there Rabbi Yehuda allows perhaps because there's nothing interrupting this reservoir contraption and your actual lamp. But the bowl of oil which is placed next to your lamp, the Mifsaka, there's a slight interruption in between these two objects. Perhaps he would agree to the Rabbanan that you might not pay good enough attention, and you might forget that this second bowl of oil actually is for your lamp. And if I only told you in these cases, perhaps the Rabbana do not allow it. But the first two cases, perhaps the Rabbana would agree to Rabbi Yehuda because this contraption is placed directly above the lamp, thereby you would remind yourself not to take oil from it. That's why we need all three cases to tell us the Rabbana do not allow in all three cases, and Rabbi Yehuda does allow. Our Mishnah had told us that if the potter had originally designed this lamp like this, then it's okay to use. Tana, we have a brisa that seems like it's a contradiction. If the owner of the lamp connected this contraption with plaster or with clay, then it's permissible to use. Our Mishnah says the potter had to have originally made it like this, but not that you connected it afterwards. The Gemara says, no, my yaitzer, what does it mean the potter? As long as you connect it in a way that the potter could have done so, you did so with glue, with plaster, or with clay, then it's permissible to use.
Continues the Gemara, Tanya, Amr Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Pamachas Shabbosenu Balias Beis Nitzah Belud. We spent Shabbos in the upper chamber of Beis Nitzah in Lod. Veviu Lona Shefer Shal Beitzah, and they brought us an eggshell, Umileinua Shemen. We filled it up with oil, Unkavnuha Vinachnua, and we placed a hole in it, and placed it on top, Al Pihaner, above the lamp. By Hashem Reb Tarfan and Zkenim, and Reb Tarfan and Zkenim were there, Veloy Amrulanu Davar. And they never told us anything, seemingly, that it's permissible to do so on Shabbos. Unlike the Mishnah, the Gemara says, Amrulai, they told him, Misham Raya, that's not a proof from there. Shani Beis Nitzah, this reason hein. Beis Nitzah himself are very conscientious, and they're going to ensure not to take any of the oil, and that's why it's permitted for them. Continues the Gemara with an interesting story. Oven Tzipayra, oven from Tzipayri, Gar Safsala, he dragged the bench by Elisa de Shisha on in a chamber made out of marble, Le'elam Rabbi Yitzchak ben Elazar, in front of Rabbi Yitzchak ben Elazar, Amalei, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Elazar told him, Ish suke lecha, if I'm quiet for you, k'dishtiku lechavrai Rabbi Yehuda, like Rabbi Yehuda's friends were quiet for him, in this previously mentioned story, nothing b'nei churva, something terrible is going to come out from this. Why? Gzeri lisa d'shisha, there's a gzera that you shouldn't be allowed to drag a bench across a marble floor atu lisa da'ama because perhaps you're going to end up dragging a bench across the floor of a, a regular chamber that has dirt on it and we know that you're not allowed to drag a bench across the floor in a regular chamber because perhaps you're going to make a ditch. That's at least according to Rabbi Yehuda and not Rabbi Shimon. Another story, Reish Kanishli the Batra, the head of the Shul, like the Gabai in Batra, Garus of Salah, he dragged the bench, Le'ila, Merabir Miyarabah, in front of Ravir Miyarabah, across a regular floor. Amrle, Ravir Miyarabah told him, Kiman, who do you hold like that you're allowed to do this? Kreb Shimon, like Kreb Shimon? Amr, the Amr of Shimon, maybe Reb Shimon only allows you to drag a bench across the floor, as long as you have no intention to make a ditch. Begadoilim, if it's a very large piece of furniture, Dulay Efshir, that you're not able to carry without dragging. Biktana, but something small like a bench, Mi Amar, does he allow you to drag it? You should have picked up the bench. And we say, Ula. This of Rabbi Yirmiya Abba is not like Ula's explanation of Rabbi Shimon. Damar Ula, Ula tells us, Machlekes Biktanim. Though Machlekes between Rabbi Yehud and Rabbi Shimon, whether or not you're allowed to drag a bench, as long as you don't have intent to make a ditch, is only with a small bench that you can actually pick up. Avol Bugdailim, if it's very large, Divar Kalmutur, everyone would allow you to drag it. Master of Yosef, Rav Yosef asks on both opinions of Rav Yirmiya Rabbah and Ula. Rav Shimon, I'm Rav Shimon, tells us, Gair Adamita Kisav Esafzal, a person is allowed to drag a bed, chair, or bench, as long as he doesn't have intent to make a ditch, a pharaoh, Ketani Gedalim, Ukatani Ketanim. It says both large things, such as a bed, and also says small things, such as a chair. So we see the Rav Shimon allows you to do both. The Gemara says, Kashi Shavai, a question on both Ula and Ravir Miyarabha. The Gemara says, no, Ula Matarzal Tamei, Ravir Miyarabha Matarzal Tamei, they each explain according to their own reasoning. Ula Matarzal Tamei, Ula will explain, Mita Dami the Kise. When it says a bed, it's referring to a bed that's like a chair. It's got to be a small, collapsible, foldable, portable bed. Ravir Miyarabha Matarzal Tamei, he explains, Kise Dami the Mita, that it has to be a chair that's like a bed. Just like a bed is large, we have to be referring to a chair that is very large that can't be carried without dragging. Masav Rabbah, Rabbah asks on Rav Yirmiya Rabbah, We know that someone that sells shotness clothing may sell it regularly, meaning he's allowed to wear his shotness clothing to model it for other people. As long as he doesn't have intent to wear it during the summer to protect him from the sun, or wear it during the winter to protect him from the rain, as long as he's wearing it just in order to model it, show it to other people, so there's no Isra of Shatnes. But the people that are careful and modest, they simply place it on a stick behind them, and they don't use this 
heter of placing the shot in his clothing on them. Ve'ahacha, in our case of dragging a chair, the efshel mevid kitznuin, that a person could technically do like the tznuin, the chikitanim damu, that it, because we mention small things like chairs. And nonetheless, Rebbe Shimon allows you to drag it, even though technically you could pick it up. V'chiloi mischav shari, and when you don't have intent to make a ditch, Rabbi Shimon allows it to be done lichatchila. We see Tiyufta on Rabbi Yirmiyah Rabbah. This is a Tiyufta on Rabbi Rabbah that told us that something small, Rabbi Shimon himself would not allow you to drag. Clearly, Rabbi Shimon allows you to drag it. Tiyufta, you're right. This is a refutation to Rabbi Yirmiyah Rabbah's understanding of Rabbi Shimon. Everyone should have a wonderful, fantastic day.